Welcome, friends, to another episode of the Origins of Home podcast. This is the fifth episode. And today, let's take a while to chat, shall we? So first, Twitters and essays, TikToks and books, highways and countryside routes. What is the common thread between these comparisons? Well, the former's are a fast and consumeristic side of things, while the latter's can be seen as their slow counterparts, each with their value, though some with considerably less value, and each with their place. But some would stand the test of time better. So this, as you can gather from the title, is the case that I'm going to make against the contemporary culture of speed, or hustle, or fastness, however you want to call it. To link with our last episode, maybe we need to be better acquainted with the parable of the race between the hare and the turtle. Hurry is a powerful enemy. It is a dictator, an imperialist conqueror, seeking to take hold of everything in its path. Much like the maze haze in Goblet of Fire, that's Harry Potter, it alters our consciousness and it makes us its loyal servants. Our society has become accustomed to this fast-paced, immediate satisfaction style. TikToks instead of books, tweets instead of essays, 24-hour news cycles with fragmented information and half-formed thoughts. The idea of making it at 20 and retiring early. And so, what are we getting? The increase of burnout and the increase of general life dissatisfaction. Now, I don't particularly think that things like the Industrial Revolution or the information economy or social media are inherently evil. But the way that we've adjusted or the way we've let our lives be adjusted to this current frenetic pace is unsettling, unsustainable, and quite frankly, undesirable. Apart from clearly identifiable situations such as a medical emergency, I really can't think of a sound argument for us to collectively allow this type of hurriedness into every aspect of our lives. I read a quote recently by, let me see if I'm not butchering his name, Guttorm Floystad. He's a Norwegian philosopher, and I think it summarizes this thought really well. This will start us off. The quote goes, The only thing for certain is that everything changes. The rate of change increases. If you want to hang on, you better speed up. That is the message of today. It could, however, be useful to remind everyone that our basic needs never change. The need to be seen and appreciated It is the need to belong, the need for nearness and care, and for a little love. This is given only through slowness in human relations. In order to master changes, we have to recover slowness, reflection, and togetherness. There, we will find real renewal. Again, that is Guttorm Floinstad, a Norwegian philosopher. And yeah, 
first, why not take a look at our greatest example when we're trying to make a case for slowness? Let's look at our greatest example, which is Jesus. So let's compare briefly his life with the hustle culture and this perceived need to make it by 20. So when you look at Jesus's life in the Bible, as is written in the Bible, you get one of the main reasons why he came into this earth was to perform his ministry, was to exercise his ministry, right? That is a huge part of why he came. But when you look at it, he died at 33, as we all know. But when you look at it, when did his ministry start? It started when he was 30 years old. So you have three years of ministry, actually 40 days in the wilderness being tempted and roughly three years of ministry, the rise to fame, where, in which his message was spread and his ministry was effectively taking place. And then he died and rose again. But, you know, this part is not a part of his life here. Anyway, um, let's compare that with with the current need to, to make it by 20. Sure, not everyone suffers this pressure, but it's the general consensus in society that we are pursuing early career success. And things like... Um, job postings, um, social media, the connectiveness that we have today and the amount of things we share makes it easier to to seek this type of, of success early on because then you can show something for it. And if you can't show something career-wise, then what are you even doing? But when you compare that with Jesus we see that he took time to build his life the right way. He took time to prepare. He waited. He took time to prepare. He took time to mature. Then there was this decisive moment where he received this message loud and clear from the Father that was during his baptism. And then he went to be tempted. And then his ministry started. So this, I think, brings a lot of peace and a lot of understanding, a lot of perspective to this conversation of, oh, you're not successful yet, you're, what, nearing 30, and where are your big achievements? Well, maybe it's just not the time for that yet. I mean, sure, if the life expectancy was... 30-something, 40 years old, then yeah, the the peak of your life would have to be in your 20s. But our life expectancy is not, is not 30 or 40 years old anymore, at least not um, statistically. So having, having your life peak as a teenager or as a young adult, um, it would mean that the best was already past, you know, and then it was just downhill and you have nothing to look forward to. You have nothing to work toward because the greatest thing you've ever done is already behind you. So why not take the time to slow down, 
prepare, reflect, mature, set out a long-term plan, and take each step intentionally without this um, comparative, hurried, incessant, anxiety-inducing idea or notion, flawed notion that we need to make it early on. Um, yeah, that's the first point. The second thing I want to talk about is the slowdown movement, or the slow movement, I should say. So basically, the slow movement is is a is a counterpart. It's it's an opposition to the fast culture that we that we get to experience in modern civilized urban society. There are actually a big movement and and it involves you know changing major areas of your life it's it involves um practicing slowness it involves um most of the time making your own food you know and choosing um career paths and, and lifestyles that are reflective of those values so the slow movement um is is a throwback i think to our roots you know it it's it's trying to preserve and defend a a rhythm of life that in the way that they see it is more biologically adequate but what so i live in brazil and one thing that always bothered me is the rough sameness that we get throughout the year because um seasonally you know the, the four seasons um they aren't really that different here where i live it it just gets a little bit colder but most of the year it's the scorching um heat <laughs> not my favorite but that's where i am um so the way that that we live here our lifestyle is not really um affected by the different seasons at, le- at least not in the magnitude that i um, think is is um, proper to induce this kind of of lifestyle of slowness of slowing down. So hear me out. Um, living according to the changing of the seasons for someone like me that never experienced it. So this is an outsider's perspective, but the idea of living according to the changing of the seasons is humbling because it seems to teach us that there are times to work hard and there are times to rest there are times to gather and times to share so the natural world it, it gives and it takes but even for but even for people living living in places with drastic changes uh, within the seasons we've made it our lives and the structure surrounding it we've made these things so comfortable um, so that we are always, we've made these things so sound that we are always comfortable. We are always seeking comfort in the sense that we always have what we need and what we want. And so I think we've collectively lost that. Even even people that live in places where the seasons could help dictate this, this um, varying lifestyle pattern. I think we've allowed ourselves to collectively live in the sameness um, of of this hurried, 
frantic, fast, consumeristic lifestyle. And because we are always um, provided or we always have the, the ability to get what we need and what we want, for example, we get fruits year-round, we get produce year-round. That shouldn't be like that, but we've grown accustomed to it. We've grown to think it's... What's the word I'm looking for here? We've grown to think that it is um, expected to always have these things at our disposal. So we've grown to learn that we... um, Or to desire this always being comfortable thing. And so... Also, slowing down would um, and living more accordingly to the seasons would also bring this aspect about, you know, it would allow us to reflect and prioritize better. But this is not a case for just radically going out into nature and living off the grid for everyone. That's not feasible, but it's just trying to plant the seeds you know of like what what are things that i can do here in brazil with seasons being mainly the same for example we're in may and it's supposed to be getting colder but we've we've been having really really hot weather up to now so things just get the sameness um and it's not it's not a quieting calming sameness it's just hurried fast-paced and that just doesn't bring about many good things for us collectively and individually the third thing that i that i want to mention um to make this case for against the contemporary culture of speed is the documentary why beauty matters by roger scruton i watched it recently and i highly highly recommend it um you can find it easily online and this documentary, I, I'm still processing it, to be quite honest. But basically, Mrs. Scruton, who was a great, great philosopher from the UK, he mentions that beauty is a value whose pursuit was collectively lost during the 21st, during the 20th century. Sorry. And so this this value of of beauty. Um. The, the the loss of this pursuit had um, drastic consequences from things like art and architecture and music. But I think it's gotten more profound than that. And as he mentions in the documentary, it also has spiritual consequences. It's no wonder we have the rise of, of atheism and... Um, rage against God and against religious manifestations and inclinations because we've lost this pursuit of beauty we've stopped pursuing it and so when we stop pursuing beauty we stop pursuing God because God is beautiful he is the essence of all beauty so when we stop pursuing that and we put something else in its place obviously we start to collectively drift away from God. There's this quote in the documentary that is, we've become impatient with beauty and began to put utility in its place. 
this quote really stuck with me. And with art, we've chosen to, instead of pursuing beauty, we've chosen to try to shock and to use art as a means of social disturbance. So it's no wonder you look at a modernist artist and you see a bunch of crap. It has no meaning. It has no beauty. It has no real value. Because it, it stopped being perf- purposefully made with the intent of being beautiful, of reflecting some beauty, whether it's natural, spiritual, or sensational, you know, from, from, from within, from looking within. Sensational is not the right word. I realize it now. But I'm going to use it, just changing the, the meaning of it, if you will. Allow me this poetic license. Sorry about the dog. So to make things beautiful or to make beautiful things, we require time and effort. And these are two things that we now employ to the pursuit of money or status or convenience. Time and effort. We can't really allow to use those things. We can't allow ourselves to use our time to pursue beautiful things. We can't really allow to put our effort from our hurried lives, from the little energy that we have left at the end of the day to pursue something beautiful just for the sake of it being beautiful. So it's no wonder that we are lacking beauty in mainstream things. It's no wonder that we are lacking beauty in our society as a whole. And this is... I'm, I'm going off, off track here. This is, was not something that I planned to say, but this is one of my discontentments with um, Protestant um, or Reformed Church, is that we've made it a point to not have beautiful places of worship. And I understand the historical need for that, to distance ourselves from some practices of Catholicism that we needed to really make sure that that we were establishing, you know, like going back to the biblical um, truths that the Catholic faith had deviated from, some of them. But to make that point, we've chosen to also distance ourselves from the beautifulness seen in, in Catholic churches and Catholic places of worship. And that, I think, is a great loss because now we have sterile places where we call church and we gather to worship in concrete boxes that are void of beauty and i think that makes it a little bit harder to pull our eyes to what's meaningful and to what's true and to what's good and to god but that's just my view um yeah, so it's, it's no wonder that we're lacking beautiful things because we stopped pursuing them and we've stopped allowing ourselves to put time and effort into making them. So to link back again with a previous conversation that we've had, um, the idea that in areas like building an online presence or building a business online, you need to constantly hash out content um, this idea is really counterproductive if what you want to create with that business and with that online presence is something valuable and beautiful, which 
again, in a kind of meta way, is one of my struggles with my projects. Because I, I need to take time to make things beautiful and well thought out and well constructed. But this pressure that I sometimes put on myself to be consistent with a schedule, it's really counterproductive to this idea of creating valuable things. All that to say is that maybe we need to free ourselves from from this idea that we're going to be successful if we do this constant output of, of things. Sometimes creation takes time. Even for God, it took seven days, six days, yeah, and, and a day of rest. But um, even for God, he, he chose to take time to create beautiful things. So why wouldn't we need to take time to create beautiful things? Um, I'm sorry if my voice became a little bit um, slurred. Um, I am quite um, quite tired. It is late in the evening, but this is the time that I got to record. I just have a few more thoughts that I want to throw out there. Um, one of them being, a quiet life doesn't mean settling for a mediocre life. Now, this is a quote. I think verbatim, from a podcast episode from the Fight, Hustle and Hurry podcast. Again, great podcast. Uh, highly recommend you listen to it. The link is in the show notes. And if it's not verbatim, it's an idea that I got from them. But I think it's verbatim. Um, so a quiet life doesn't mean settling for a mediocre life. I think that's really important to keep um, coming back to this quote. Because sometimes it's easy to mix up the two. And also, as a as a kind of uh, continuation of this thought, is a life of leisure is not the same as being lazy. And I'm finding that to be truer and truer. Because the pursuit of, of a life of leisure, sometimes it takes a lot of <laughs> a lot of work. But yeah, laziness is just a sinful behavior that we have. It's it's running away from responsibilities but pursuing a life of leisure is definitely not the same so living intentionally and not being dictated by hurry is i think it's a resistance act it is bringing our attention and our efforts back to what truly matters and you can decide for yourself what truly matters but i think there's a common thread there as uh, Guton or Mr. Floystad mentions is recovering slowness, reflection and togetherness and there we will find real renewal. This real renewal, I, knew, I know where I get it from. It's from spending time with God. And again, is spending time with God. So it's spending time, it's bringing our attention and our efforts back to what truly matters so friends in a culture that is praising speed and that has become a sort of cult for ugliness as mr scruton mentions in his documentary this is my case for slowing down and returning to the pursuit of beauty 
If you want to hear the very, very rough draft that I made for this episode, I decided to release it as a bonus episode on Patreon. So this is one of the perks of supporting the show via Patreon. And if you're considering it, there's a link in the show notes. Thank you for even con- for even considering it. Um, I also want to mention that we're getting some new listeners from the US, um, which is expected. There's a large audience there, but thank you for listening. This is awesome. Um, if you want to reach out, I would love to chat via Twitter or via email. Um, and yeah, you can follow the Instagram for the for the podcast. Uh, I don't post very often there because again quality over quantity um but yeah let's chat and if you like this episode send it to a friend um let me know let me know if you liked it um i i really considered um yeah i really considered hurrying it and i really considered taking more time but there's also a balance to be found and I think I made I think I made something beautiful today. This was another episode of the Origins of Home podcast. If you'd like to leave comments or feedback, you can send us an email over at originsofhomepod at gmail.com. If you'd like to get the show in more people's ears, leaving a review would be lovely. I would also like to encourage you to send this episode to one friend you think will like to hear what we talked about today. You can see useful links for today's episode in the show notes. And that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye.